Hello and welcome to the Fourth and Forever podcast. It's just me today, Darren Butter. Um, Stuart is away, you know, pretending he's Harry Potter in the Highlands and checking the sights and smells of Paris. So you're stuck with me. Um, now this is going to be a short one. I just want to go over a few things. I'm not going game to game. Um, so if you want to know the scores and see what happens, you can, you know, Google it. Um, but I'm going to go through a few of my takeaways for the for the week and see what's happening. It was week six in the NFL. Um, I'm also going to go through my offensive team of the season so far with no stats involved. So, you know, expect hot or ill-advised takes. Now, Stuart being away, I haven't been able to do a podcast um, earlier in the week. I do, um, unfortunately, run my own business, so had to spend some time at that even though I do love not doing my work and paying attention to nothing but NFL so um, I'm sure you guys saw the games last week and were able to pick that up as you were um, I've said quick story when I went traveling earlier this year we went to I went to New York for a friend's birthday and you know you always love traveling and I'm sure Stuart's having a great time but you know, I was going to America. It's the first time I've been to America for four years. And obviously it's pretty hype. You have to go through the the Esther process. They make you put down your social media handles now and they check you and you get an email back saying that you're you're okay to enter. Um when I flew through to America, we went via Sydney. It was a seventeen hour flight um from Sydney to LA and then it was late, so we had to run through the um you know the security now it's all automated now so you you know you insert your passport and you you set it up and it takes a picture of you and then you have to take your your fingerprints now when i did my fingerprints none of my fingers fit on the screen um when i put got my in my pointer finger on my pinky fell off and when i got my index finger on my pinky was not on the thing at all and they declined me and in a rush i had to go and stand in a queue and speak to a real person um now i don't know if anyone's ever been through that process but they they take your fingerprints manually and and there's nothing more um, then realising in the moment that you have weird hands and then having a person confirm that when they can't get your fingerprints through either. So had to do my fingerprints individually, which uh, was not fun. Um, now, the, the first takeaway I have for today is pretty much on someone that's probably never had that problem. Um, it's good to learn when you're 30 that you'll never be a quarterback because you have weird hands. Um, and, and Jimmy G of the San Francisco 49ers has probably never been told that. Um, first takeaway of week six is that, you know, San Francisco are for real. They um, have definitely created a a team that, you know, is, is finely tuned. Um, Kyle Shanahan's got them, them working and, and Robert Sala on the defense. He's, you know, they're running like a finely tuned machine. Um, they're just purring, really. Um, you know, Robert Sala, he, he's an interesting one. He comes from the 
the Kubiak tree, and then he was at Seattle when um, they won the Super Bowl. They had him as a defensive quality control coach, which I assume is just making sure you're not giving away penalties and and high hits and, and, and things of that nature on the, the Legion of Boom. Uh, he, he's done very well. Um, he won the championship or Super Bowl, obviously, with the Seahawks, and then he's He's gone on to Jacksonville as a linebacker coach, and now he's he's been the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers since 2017. Now, he's done a number of things on that defense. He um he hides looks. It's very hard for a quarterback, especially ones as incapable as Jared Goff has been recently, of, of seeing what's happening. Um, he's got. Joey Bosa back healthy. He's repurposed the Forrest Buckner, who, who could have been out of the team. He's he's using um Solomon Thomas, the third overall pick, a few years ago. Who me and Stuart had as a a trade candidate. Really, he's using him in passing situations. He's not taking the running hits. He's coming in at third and eight, and he's he got to the quarterback this weekend and. It's it's looking good, um, San Francisco. They ha- they have a a lot going for them, you know. Jimmy G. He's doing just enough to get his team into scoring position. Uh, he had twenty four thirty three. He did have a ill advised interception, but you know these these things do happen. Um, you know Jimmy G. Something ridiculous like thirteen for two in his professional career. I think winners just win. And and Jimmy G is a is a winner. Um I mean sure it did have the 49ers as one of our teams that we wanted to look at. Uh, Jimmy G earlier in the season he he felt like he was it looked and felt like he was being chased by ghosts out there at times. He was worried about stepping through on his knee, he was worried about taking little hits. And when it when it comes to having an injury like that I think everyone that's had an injury like that can attest that you do worry that someone's going to take a hit on it. You know, I I do Muay Thai and you, we hold warrior pads, which are, are long pads. And when someone's kicking normally, there's no issue on my knee. But then a guy tried to do a block kick when he wasn't supposed to. And I didn't go back to Muay Thai for two weeks because it was the thought of kind of a chop kick like that going through my knee I, I I lost confidence in being able to do it and and I think Jimmy G he's he's had that he's tried to get the ball out a bit too quick um he had the infamous five interceptions on five passes in training but as Alan Iverson says it's, it's just practice why are we talking about practice um he's done well he's getting his team into position and they've just turned that that running game, which doesn't really have any stars. You know, Tevin Coleman's been injured. They've got Jeff Wilson, who's a free agent. They've got um, Matt Breida, who is by far the most interesting back in the league so far. If he gets away, he's he's fast, but he's also making the big, you know, tough runs. And what more can you ask for? I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan. In in trying to shake off the Atlanta Super Bowl loss, has turned the Forty Niners into a running juggernaut. I think he was probably sick of all the the run the ball comments, 
that he must have been getting based on that um, New England comeback. Uh, so they've done an excellent job. They're they're unbeaten, 5-0. and um, They've got the Rams looking poor. Uh, they've got the Seahawks, you know, with a potential MVP and, and Russell Wilson. Uh, Seahawks are five and one. Rams are three and three. Cardinals two and three. Who would have thought that two three and one? Who would have thought that the the Rams would only be a half a game ahead of the Cardinals after six weeks? Not um. Not Sean McVay, that's for sure. I have to say as well that everyone's going on about, you know, the Vic McVay tree and that Washington, the Shanahan tree of the Washington Redskins coaching staff with Matt LaFleur and uh, Cal Shanahan and number of coaches that have come through there. Sean McVay, obviously the most famous one, but it's most likely that Cal Shanahan's probably biggest coach to come off the Shanahan tree seeing as he is a Shanahan um, he had the highest you know performing offense in the league with Atlanta he's had his reputation kind of besmirched by that that loss and as it should have been losing after being 28 free up in the Super Bowl was it's no way to conduct a Super Bowl um, that's just between me and you really and um, I think San Francisco, you know, they, their schedule is going to open up. They have to play the Rams again. They have, obviously, the Seahawks twice. But they get the the, the Redskins next week, who are coming off a win. Um, but if they can if they can beat the, the Redskins, and they'll be 6-0, and which is, is pretty impressive. And then they go to Carolina. Then they're at home against the Cardinals. So they get the Cardinals twice in three weeks. Uh, they have the Seahawks. Obviously, one of their two out-of-conference games are against the Packers and the Ravens. So it could have been an easier draw for them there. But they definitely have the potential to win this conference and therefore get a first-round buy in the, in the playoffs, which would be an amazing achievement. Um, I just want to... Before we move on, just give a shout out to, to George Kittle, who I think is playing at an obscenely high level. Um, his wrestling background, which they did mention about 100 times in the broadcast, is coming through. He's a great blocker. He's a great um, achiever, really. He's won many awards for wrestling, and he just gets off the block so fast. He, he's a great blocker in the run game, and he's unbelievable after the catch so you know we'll keep out for San Francisco it was the team that made sure we're backing over our own teams as part of this podcast at the start so it's, it's good to see um but we'll go from there uh you know my second second takeaway from the weekend is just this this is an amazing MVP race let's be honest we've got Mahomes, who's had a couple of down weeks. We've got Deshaun Watson of the Texans. Um, Mahomes, obviously, of the Chiefs. Russell Wilson of the Seahawks. And then Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers, who has just been going off. Um, we'll just take a look at some of these stats. So, you know, the, the Chiefs have had a tough go of it. 
and the last couple of um, games they they've lost two in a row. They're one and two at home, but they are still have a winning record, and and they're in a conference that they can then can win very easily. So, um, to say that Patrick Mahomes is out of the the playoff, the MVP race would just be be ludicrous at this point. He's sitting, you know, for the regular season over two years, over two thousand passing yards. It's, it's amazing. So he's done a great job so far this year. Two thousand passing yards, fourteen touchdowns, and one interception with a quarterback rating of one hundred and eleven point nine. He's still going to be there. Going to be there and about at the end of the season. And I look forward to seeing what he can do because he still has to play the Raiders again. He has to play the Broncos twice. Sorry, Stuart. I don't think it'll be too much of an issue for him. And obviously the, the Chargers are nothing to write home about just now, uh, especially without some of their key players that are injured. Uh, that performance at the weekend against Pittsburgh was not great. I'll leave it at that. But you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to be there. Reigning MVP. Can't count them out at this point, but the only slam for MVP does seem to be with two people at the moment, um, primarily because they're quarterbacks in my eyes. Uh, Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks, a very impressive comeback against the Browns. Um, he has leapt over Patrick Mahomes in the, the bedding. He's just having a, a good season as well. His, his stats are a bit lower in terms of yardage than... Um, Patrick Mahomes got 1,700 yards this season. He's at 14 uh, touchdowns to no interceptions, though. And he's got 124 rating for a quarterback. So he's he's impressive. He'll keep, you know, keep Seattle in games that maybe they, they might not have been if they had someone else at quarterback. And that's it's an impressive um, feat. So it'll be interesting see where he comes out on it. He had a couple of very good throws against my Browns this weekend and he just, he breaks contain and if he can break contain he's going to get in the end zone like he did for the first touchdown of the game for the Seahawks against the Browns. He, he creates so many problems, you know, you go man to man and if you don't account for him in a, as with a spy then he's just going to break you know, on broken plays and get first downs and get touchdowns and he's right up there in MVP. But I have to say that I I do think that the um I think at the moment it's with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has been very impressive. I've felt it's been very impressive since he came out of Clemson. You know, it's something Ridiculous, like he hadn't lost a game by more than seven points until the playoffs since he was like 13. It's amazing. He's a winner uh, for the, the regular season. His stats aren't, to me, aren't as impressive. Um, but obviously, he's working behind a, a weak offensive line. Uh, the Texans, they've, they've done what they can. They've added Tunso, they've added Kenny Stills as a threat. And they're just going to keep throwing the ball with Deshaun and I don't know 
what more you can say, but his quarterback rating is always at 107. He's got 12 touchdowns to three interceptions. Um, he is under a lot more pressure than the other two quarterbacks in this MVP race. But he's he's going to be there. Um, the Texans should win this division now. It's there for them to do, so they had a great win against the Chiefs yesterday. It's it's impressive. It wasn't expected. They've um they've pulled out a couple of games recently that people wouldn't have expected it to, and and Sean Watson's pulled out a couple of performances that people wouldn't have expected them to, and to to go into Arrowhead and to beat the Chiefs is it's like an accomplishment, and it's it's the kind of Heisman MVP moment that he needs to win this award. But I have to say, I'm, I've got a, I've got a goal currently for the offensive MVP. I, I do think it's got to go to the, the main man. You know, Christian McCaffrey. He's just outstanding. He's also my fantasy running back. So. At the moment, all my other running backs are injured, so I've only, you know, in a league where you can have two, I've only got one, and I'm, I'm just very happy about him right now. He's he's doing everything he needs to do. He's the fantasy MVP. You know, he's played. He's got 127 attempts. He's gone for 617 yards for seven touchdowns. He's leaping over players. He's making highlight plays on every. One and he's carrying a team to victory, and I don't think since Zadian Tomlinson, <laughs> no, he said Tomkinson, um, has a player been able to perform at such a high level with this team. I, the Carolina Panthers, if they can get the ball in his hands, he is, he's winning. He's only twenty three years old, and it's going to be. Amazing when he comes up for a contract renewal. I wouldn't. If I was the Panthers. I would not be even attempting to place the franchise tag on him. Um, he's probably gonna require the highest running back contract of all time in a day and age when we're not paying running backs. Uh, you know, Zeke just got one, but Christian McCaffrey does more at this point than Zeke, and um, because he is such an amazing receiver, and if he keeps. Doing what he's doing, um, I don't see why he can't, you know, get himself this MVP. He didn't. He had a you know a down game against the Bucks, but he still scored two touchdowns, and they won. And I think that's all you need. Your you just need your running back to get your first downs and get in the end zone. And McCaffrey's doing that, and he's doing it at a, an amazing pace and. I think this might be the year where we see those fantasy points creep into the MVP discussion. I think we will see potentially McCaffrey win this award, but it's generally a quarterback award. I wouldn't be surprised if it went to Mahomes, Watson or Wilson. But, you know, we've got to keep an eye out on, on Christian. He's he's doing wonders down in Carolina. Um, I guess my third take really is a 
a bit of a whinge, really, and I apologise, but I don't think the Jets are very good, even though they won that game. But neither are Dallas under Garrett. It's it's really an, a bit of a mess for both of these teams. I think the coaches have done some strange stuff. Um, I'll just you know, I'll just list through a few things. You know, we had um, Adam Gase with the crazy eyes in the the conference, and then working to get his GM fired. Uh, McLaglen, he's he goes, and then he comes out and said that says that he doesn't want Levy and Bell or Mosley or pretty much any of the players that had been picked up in free agency, which they'd spent a lot of money on. Um, he comes in, he, he claims he's a quarterback whisperer. I don't know how much of that was him and how much of it was Peyton Manning in, in Denver. and he, he did okay with Tannehill, but maybe Tannehill's better than we think he is. And He comes in and He's just had some amazing moments uh, when Sam Darnold got diagnosed with mono and he's coming out saying 14, 14 won't be available this week. Um, he's not in the facility, 14, 14, 14. He refused, even when asked by the reporter in the news conference, he just didn't want to say Sam Darnold's name, which for someone who's billed and hired to have a relationship with a quarterback, it's a very strange situation. And then I think he put too much pressure on Luke Falk, but he also, in saying that he didn't want Levy and Bell on the team, decided to run Levy on Bell into the ground, which is... Amazing. I I don't know. He didn't seem to really be trying at all the last couple of weeks. Um, and what happens if he decides that he doesn't like Darnold? Do the Jets move on from Darnold? Do they move on from Adam Gase? Because he should not be in that situation this early into Darnold's career. And this early into Adam Gase's reign. He just seem to have much more faith in the Northwestern quarterback Trevor Simeon than he did in Sam Darnold to begin with. Well, he said his name at least, uh, which I guess in Adam Gase's eyes is showing faith. Now, Jason Garrett is completely different. Jason Garrett is a high-level underachiever he hasn't done anything he's supposed to have done with his Dallas team. Uh, there was an amazing video of him trying to high-five players as they came off the field and no one was high-fiving him. And yeah, we had Tony Romo just throwing him under the bus all game, saying that the players didn't look like they were up for it or wanted to play for him. Um, and what do you do with that? That's... It's really not great for a coach who's been there so long. Um, I have heard that the Dallas Cowboys, they don't, they're quite old school, or Garrett's quite old school, so 
even instead of having you know new wave techniques to combat fatigue or a loss you know more stat- statistical analysis they they tend to run their teams into the ground um, hard practices two a days um after a loss rather than you know being maybe a bit more subtle about it and from all accounts it did seem like the cowboys had no fight they seemed tired and the jets came out and and won a very close game and it's not great for garrett and he also you know he ruined jerry jones's birthday so i think it may be it may be coming to the end of the Garrett reign, and we did see in some of the offensive snaps that it seemed more like Jason Garrett than like Kellen Moore, which is a step back. And they got beat, and now they have to play against the Eagles, who are also coming off of a loss. And I don't think if you lose that game, you're out. You know, it's not a, a loser go home game just yet but if they don't win that game in prime time I would be saying goodbye to Garrett but you know I'm not Jerry Jones and you know they might be without Amari Cooper he's had a lot of injury concerns and we can't ignore that he's been a very good player for them but they've got Zeke so maybe they'll do something but I guess we'll we'll find now another you know Quick story, I recently cut out all the sugary drinks and the, the beers and I've been drinking, you know, the, the vodka sodas and just having soda water and fruit instead of having a, a Coke or, a, you know, an energy drink and I nearly made the mistake earlier this week of picking up a, a bottle of soda water that was six dollars. For a litre and a half. It had been on sale I think. It had been like three dollars. But I nearly accidentally bought a bottle of soda water for three dollars. So I wonder what Jerry Jones is thinking. Because he nearly accidentally gave Dak 37 million a year. And he looks worse than Darnold. In this game anyway. So um, I'm glad I'm not making decisions at Dallas. I think it's going to be tough to fulfill that salary cap obligation and do you move on do you stick do you twist we'll find out we'll find out probably quite soon okay so the the last takeaway for the the weekend i have is that the nfc north is just such an entertaining knife fight it's been so much fun so far i mean we've got the the lions who you know Given a few bad calls today, would be at three and three at one and three one and one. Um, we've got the the Vikings who seem to be a different team every time they play. They've got Dalvin Cook, they've got Feeling and Diggs. Sticks with a hat trick this weekend. Feeling getting in on the act as well. We've got Kirk Cousins who's mercurial. He's brilliant one week and awful the next. I should know he's my starter in fantasy. Um. And then we got the Bears, who have a great defense, but an absolutely atrocious offense. 
and Mitch Trubisky's injured, so they're playing Chase Daniels, so they're out of it. And then Packers have somehow found themselves at 5-1. and one. And I think, you know, in a knife fight, the most skilled fighter normally comes out on top, and I just think the Packers have an, an amazing opportunity this year with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, because he just, he's a grumpy so-and-so. He doesn't like players screwing up, which happened a lot in this game. Now, Jesus, can you have more than five or six drops in a game? Everyone was at it. Jones did it. He fumbled. It was like three fumbles. Um, They had two players get checked for concussion. They're missing Devontae Adams, turf toe. Don't know, can you not get an injection for turf toe? It's the NFL, I'm I'm confused, but he wasn't playing. And he still manages to come out with a win. And yes, the officials may have assisted the Packers today, but they're winning close games. Five and one. Won two games in a row. And the Lions have now lost two games in a row, which is harsh, but the way it is. And these teams are just going to keep battling, you know, we've got to see the Vikings and the Packers play twice you've got to see the Lions go to the Vikings um, it's it's going to be entertaining and I think this is the conference to watch I think if the, the Packers go you know, through this division the way they can you know, they've, they've beaten the Lions and the Bears so far if they can sweep this division or go five and one in the division then they may get a first round bye and that'll be Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs and you know by then Matt LaFleur's offense will be just hopefully ticking along they'll have players back and I think at this point Khalil Mack can make a difference but I don't think the Bears can win the division now uh, the Vikings and our enigma. We'll just need to see what happens. But the NFC North is where it's at. Very entertaining. Don't know what you're going to get. You know, the Packers' defense is so strong. They've made so many little adjustments. And it'll be it'll be good to see what, what happens there. Uh, but, you know, keep checking out the NFC North. Okay, so... I'm going to breeze through a couple more things. You know, I, I, I think that the, the officiating has been called into question. So many flags being called. So many flags at the end of the Dallas Jets game. A lot of it's for silly mistakes like, you know, holding or false starts. Those happen. But the, the check, the blindside blocking... I think Landry got called for one in the Seahawks game. It's, it's never a blindside block. And the hands to the face for Flap, Trey Flowers against um, Bakhtiari was never hands to the face. And it's it's disappointing that games are being in, being called this way. The, the Chiefs had one where uh, it looked like Kelsey had been held. And the... The pass from Mahomes was intercepted. Now, if it had been called a hold, it would have been a ten, a five-yard penalty, automatic first down. But because it was called defensive pass interference, the 
the interception stood because it was considered an uncatchable ball and that led to the Texans going up the other end and swinging the game by 14 points. So that was a 14-point swing in in the game. It was, you know, almost a touchdown for Kelsey and instead it was an interception and a touchdown for the Texans. And the officiating can't be deciding games like this. It, it just can't happen. So hopefully these things get adjusted. If you were to ask me what I would, I would do... I don't know. I just think that New York or whoever's looking at it, Park Avenue, they, they need to be able to come down and go, actually, no, that call is egregious. Like, I think the hands-to-the-face call in this evening's game was. And, and stand the ground and make decisions and keep the game moving because there's so many cameras and so much analysis straight off the bat, including this podcast and all the other podcasts and and shows and radio stations out there that they need to be looking after it. They need to be sorting this out. You know, the Lions, they're now good on the way lost at Packers. At least it wasn't at home. But this could really change their season. And it's, it's disappointing. Um, just touch on that. I think the Browns are in trouble. Um, the coaching has not been great. Pretty Kitchens called a timeout when Chubb was literally in the end zone and then ran the exact same play and he got bottled up at 4th and 2. I I don't want to go into it. But uh, the Browns, they need their defensive backs on the field. Like They're missing like four of them just now. And the offense, you've got to pound the rock. You've got to give it to Chubb and you've got to set up, play action. And I don't know what they can do in training, but... They've had like four interceptions in the last three weeks that have come off of players' hands in the red zone or on the the byline. It's it's not it's not fun, and I don't think that's really on Baker. So a lot of players, ex-players, and guys have been coming out saying, "Oh, Baker needs to tone it down and you know take responsibility." But a lot of his interceptions have come off the hands of his receivers, which are you know, in the end drops, and I don't think Antonio Callaway should have been on the field at all last week, and, you know, Travis Landry and the other receivers need to secure the ball and stop knocking it up in the air for defensive backs to catch. But, yeah, that's, in the end, that's what that is. So this has been an interesting experience um, recording this podcast on my own and, and coming up with what I wanted to do. Um, I'm going to go through my offensive team of the season, I guess, so far. And I haven't looked at any stats. I'm just going off the eye test and highlight plays and, and what I enjoy about football. And, you know, people may disagree, but I think this team is, is a pretty impressive force and Go through it player to player and and just let me know what you think. But I guess I wanted to look at you know who I think would think would win games and be competitive at all times. And I guess you know I was going to go with the you know the quarterback, one tight end, one running back, three wide receivers, offensive line, standard. And I've 
yeah, pick players that I would have that I would want if I was a GM to build a team around. So obviously we start with a quarterback now. Obviously considered Mahomes, considered Watson, considered Wilson, Rogers. I think at the moment there's recency bias from watching the game tonight and just loving the man, thinking he's absolutely brilliant and so much fun to watch. But I've gone, I think, my starting quarterback so far this year. Ironically, after speaking about the MVP race, is um, Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's playing with such little weapons at the moment and he's still getting wins. And that's what I want as a GM. I want wins. And I think Aaron Rodgers gives me that if he's fit and healthy. And obviously, in this, it's like Madden. You know, you turn injuries off, turn fatigue off. So, you know, starting quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he's he's just impressive. I think you always feel in control when he's quarterback. You always feel like you have a chance in the game when he's your quarterback. And even with a, a weak offensive line, he, he can get out and move and run for first downs. And, and, you know, hopefully he's a bit more resilient these days. But as a GM, I would build a scheme that fits him. I don't think it's... That difficult. Anyway, moving on. Um, I'm not going to go for individual players for the offensive line. I'm going to do it as a unit. Um, I think the offensive line unit that I would go for um, this season so far is obviously San Francisco. They're playing with their fourth and fifth. You know, tackles. They're missing Joe Staley. They're missing McGlinchey, and they're still controlling the line of scrimmage, especially against the Rams. You know, twenty to seven win. Can't ask for much more. You pick it up, you know, when they're fit and healthy. McGlinchey, Staley. It's a good team. I I'm impressed with how they, they run protect and that all leads into, you know, my next pick, which is uh my running back would be Nick Chubb. Of the Browns. It's a bit of a homer pick, but he's running with such assuredness, resilience. He's breaking off huge yards, but he's also dinking and diving and, and picking up those short yardage plays. He's not the best receiving back, but I think you know, you build a team and he's he's definitely capable and this is something that the Browns don't do with Someone like Rogers, you would swing out from the back and play action into short yardage passes to your running back so he can break off some yards. Um, and, and Chubb's brilliant after the contact. It's yards after contact. But as I said, no stats involved, but you can just see that he's impressive. Now, my tight end of the season so far is George Kiddo. George Kiddo, what a player. He overcame a few drops at the start of the season, got himself in the end zone against Browns last week, but it's his run blocking, it's his, his um, catching out of the backfield, yards after catch, He's it's everything. He's, he's just impressive, so he gives you it in the run game, he gives you it in the passing game, and can you imagine Kittle and Rodgers... He's got Jimmy Graham just now and he's finding him for first downs in the fourth quarter. And Kittle would be finding him for touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, so, impressive. 
thinking if I was building a team, George Kittle would be, you know, one of my first picks in in terms of skill positions. He, I have him in my fantasy team at round nineteen, I think. So, got him for another couple of years, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because yeah, what a player. Okay, so so far Rogers at quarterback, Nick Chubb running back. We have Kiddo at tight end, and we have the San Francisco offensive line unit. The whole combination of all eight of them, um, to do with as we please. So, team of the season so far, looking good. Um, then I have three wide receivers, three wide receiver sets, straight up position. I think the first one I put in is Terry McLaurin. This boy. This boy, third round pick, Ohio State. This is the only thing the Redskins have done right in about a year, year and a half, is pick up Terry McLaurin in the third round and see that potential, even though he'd only completed 42 catches at college in his whole time there. He just, he's a big play machine. His routes are outstanding. And he he won the battle of the poop ball, or whatever you want to call it, on Sunday, it was two touchdowns, he just, he's ripped it off, he he looked very impressive against the Eagles in the first game of the season as well, and he has a good relationship with Case Keenum, hopefully for the Redskins he can pick up the same kind of relationship with Dwayne Haskins or Tua or whoever they decide to have next year, because he's, he's someone to build around. The next um, wide receiver in this set is... Uh, Michael Thomas of the Saints, what a player! He's he's doing wonders. Um, even with Bridgewater, his stats are probably impressive. He he's a superstar. He got paid, and he's he deserves it. He's high up in his receiving. He came out and said that Ramsey was not covering him properly and you know backing his special teams unit and oh, I can't that's the kind of guy I want in my team if I'm a GM so let's give it to Michael Thomas he's uh even in the game that nothing really happened in he still had 89 yards off eight receptions you know he's he's at 53 receptions on the season for 600 and 32 yards so he's probably going to have another 1000 yard season and he's who I want in my team now my last wide receiver my skilled wide receiver the one that's going to sit in the, the slot and pick up my short yardage plays and and just needle the teams is uh, Stefan Diggs of the Vikings after his hat trick this week he's he's doing it all and he was probably could have done it better, but he was probably right to call out Kirk Cousins for his performance. You know, you want to get into impressive situations and and personally get your your stats up. And if your quarterback isn't doing that for you, then you have to speak up. And you know, I want strong players in my team, and Stefan Diggs would make that. So let's go through it again. This is my offensive team so far this year. Let me know on social media if you disagree. I assume people will disagree. There's so many players in the NFL and I've 
obviously missed a few of them, but for again, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, Nick Chubb at running back of the Cleveland Browns, George Kittle of San Francisco at tight end, Stefan Diggs of the Vikings at slot receiver, Michael Thomas of the Saints as one of the wideouts, and Terry McLaurin of the Redskins as another wideout. And then we have them all being protected by the San Francisco offensive line. Now, I want to give a special mention to someone that nearly made this list but didn't, and that's um, it's Matt Breda of the San Francisco 49ers. I think if I had Breda, I'd have to have Yushek, Kyle Yushek, the fullback as well, because he makes so much space for Breda to get through, and that's not the formation that I was doing, so they missed out. But let me know what you think. I would love to hear what other people's teams so far this season. Sure, you as well, when you get out of from under the rock you're hiding on, or lounging on, or I don't know. You went on holiday to Scotland in October. I'm I'm confused. But yes, let me know how it's going. If anyone wants to join me for a podcast next week, um, you can tell us a bit about how you got into football, what you found of our podcast so far, let me know. We'll um we'll connect and I look forward to hearing a couple of new voices on the podcast in the in the time come now. We do have a Twitter page that I have not used properly. Um, I'll post a, a link to it. So follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on Podbeam and Podcast and Castbox and all of the whatever way you ingest our information and our podcast. But it's been fun. And thank you for listening to me go on about NFL for 50 minutes. Now, see you next time. Thanks.